0: This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graeber. Over the past decades, there's clearly been a dramatic increase in the amount of time people spend online using social networking sites. For instance, Facebook and Instagram have literally billions of users. At the same time, there's been a rise in mental health issues for young people from teens through their mid-20s. The rise in these issues has been seen particularly for millennials and the i generation, both of which grew up with increased access to and use of social networking sites. As a result, some have drawn the conclusion that perhaps the two are linked, and the rise in mental health issues is linked causally to the increase in time spent online, and so treatment should involve reducing social networking use. But some research has pointed to ways in which social networking use might be a positive force in mental health. So what does the research show overall, and how should these questions be addressed going forward? Dr. Chiara Timpano, Associate Professor at the University of Miami Department of Psychology, and Dr. Courtney Beard, Co-Director of the Clinical Research Program in Behavioral Health at McLean Hospital and Associate Professor of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, reviewed the literature. They wrote a prospective paper in the journal Neuropsychopharmacology titled Social Networking and Mental Health, Looking Beyond Frequency of Use and Towards Mechanisms of Action. Dr. Timpano, when you looked at the literature, what were some of your overarching takeaways?
1: So so the first is that uh, there's no clear consensus in how researchers are defining social media use. I think the vast majority of individuals are still just kind of honing in, and the key operationalization that they're using is frequency of use. But there's Tremendous variability across studies. Um, Some people uh, look at motivations for use. Some people, you know, look at the kind of type of use. Some people use a one item self report measure to ascertain this. Other people are using these kind of more extensive uh, surveys to try to track things. So there's just tremendous variability in that part. The other piece is that there's a lack of experimental studies. And then the final uh, problem is is that there's a lack of longitudinal research, particularly longitudinal research that focuses on different uh, cohorts of participants. So the punchline of all of that is that there's a challenge in, you know, making sure that we're all talking about the same thing. (laughs) And then more uh, kind of, I guess, acutely, it, it hinders our ability to really hone in on potential mechanisms, which then contributes to this lack of a a comprehensive model of what's the good and what's the bad related to social networking and how does that play out with regard to specific mental health outcomes that we'd be most interested in.
0: What did this lead you to outline as a strategy going forward? I think that
1: we need to have better and more established methods for getting at the different types of usage. So, as an example, right? Uh, you know, people talk about being like Facebook stalkers, right? They're they're just like in the background and they're they're looking at all these different posts, but they're they're not engaging. Uh, they're not actually connecting with any other users. That is something that we would refer to as passive use. But th- but there's many other different types of use, right? There's the, the people who just jump in all the time. There's the there's the type of use where you're you're not being Uh, fully genuine with your experience. And so there's many different ways that individuals are engaging with these uh, social networking sites. The, The usage patterns, I think, will also be very interesting about how people are engaging across time. Are there specific patterns of engagement that may be linked to specific motivations that individuals have for for using uh, social networking sites. What
0: do you mean? What's an example of that?
1: Well, you know, like if you're if you're using it because you feel lonely and you're you're trying to, you know, find maybe a group of of individuals who you feel a little bit more connection with than you do in your day to day life. That would be a very different kind of motivation to use than uh, if you're an influencer on Instagram, (laughs) uh, where then your usage is really focused on kind of monetary gains and then status gains. That's just two examples. There's many, many others that we could consider. And so I think more research to try to tease that apart Which are the motivations that are perhaps most strongly linked to uh, mental health outcomes? Which ones maybe are more protective? Um, I think this provides a really nice opportunity to kind of frame things, not just from a deficit model, but also from kind of a more positive uh, or coping type of model. Where, what are the things that are good about social networking site? That example that I used about individuals seeking groups that they maybe fit better with, that's been something that's been hinted at in in a couple of studies is actually being really protective and and a huge positive.
0: You and your colleague, Dr. Beard, discussed the fact that there's a dearth of mechanistic studies to understand the link between social media use and mental health outcomes. What would a mechanistic study look like?
1: Well, so, you know, we could randomize individuals into some form of kind of experimental condition. So there are definitely like number of studies that, that are starting to think along this. Uh, there was one example that we, we talked about in the paper where individuals were encouraged to quit Facebook for a week, um, whereas some individuals just kept using Facebook as regular and as usual. And the study then examined how that change in behavior might have implications for overall mood at the end of this one week break, and then trying to understand how that link with mood might lead to downstream, you know, mental health outcomes. So that that would be an example of an experimental study. The other piece, though, related to experimental and prospective studies that Courtney and I really highlighted is that we also have to move beyond self-report studies. And we have to start to think through different Objective measures for use, and really kind of using the technology advances that we have to try to understand the impact of social networking site engagement um, and its relationship to mental health. So, you know, there's there's a plethora of things that we could look at with regard to that, like like passive data collection in apps, using different types of ecological momentary assessment perhaps kind of language processing. There's a lot of things that are happening within the field of machine learning that I think make that feasible and and a really exciting time for us to be able to conduct this type of research. And so how could better research
0: into this link influence treatment?
1: I think it's not just the type of social media use that we need to be looking at, but also specific relationships between those specific types of media use and specific forms of psychopathology. So what's true for social anxiety might not be true for um, somebody who has substance use disorder or somebody who struggles with OCD, for example. Um, So so we also need to be careful about making kind of blanket assumptions. But I think one of the most exciting things is if we harness the, the kind of power that a strong theoretical model the foundation that that would provide us and we combine that with advances in technology in how we study these things not just relying on self report but but using more objective measures and and then building on existing models of of what we know is important for understanding and preventing and treating psychopathology I think it's a really exciting time and it, you know, you can see downstream that we would have the potential to do things like personalized intervention approaches uh, or precision medicine, where it, it is very specific to that individual based on the, the things that they're struggling with, how they're engaging and why they're engaging with social media and, and how we can potentially help with that to try to mitigate any sort of uh, long-term negative ramifications.
0: This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the article discussed in the podcast, go to www.nature.com NPP. I'm Cynthia Graber.